We're live. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Saturday to talk about this past week or even past couple weeks uh, in EOS and EOS IO news. Before we get started, if you're new here, be sure to smash that subscribe button. And whether you're new or returning, hit that like button. It really does help us with the algorithm. And the last thing I got to say before we get started is that nothing Zach or I say should be interpreted as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Uh, don't listen to people on the internet or, or what will happen, Zach. You'll, you'll get wrecked, completely yeah. wrecked. Look at this market. It's so volatile. You shouldn't trust <laughs> us. You shouldn't even tr trust a trained professional in this market. So definitely don't listen to us. It's pro probably bad advice. But um, lot, lots of lots of big stuff happened, Rob. Uh, last week, everyone missed you, by the way. Uh, the live chat, yeah. it was very evident that they missed you. But James did a phenomenal job uh, filling in for you. I, I had this later in the notes, but I'll plug it now. Uh, James is also, James Mart and Peter Kay. We're also on uh, EOS Radio this past Wednesday. I highly nice. recommend checking out that link. Uh, but the news this week uh, came out, I think, Monday or Tuesday. The EOS VC Grants. What did you think of yeah. that while I get the, a screen share ready? I was excited to see this for sure. I, we've obviously had EOS VC for a while, which is investing in projects, um, all really equity-based investments into profit-seeking businesses. So this is interesting and something that I think the community especially the EOS community has been asking for a while, hey, let's have a grant system. I believe it goes up to $50,000 per grant that they can give out um, that funds projects that aren't necessarily profitable, but may help the EOS or EOSIO communities in some way. So I thought this was great. I think it's another good step by them. And um, obviously, before we see any investments, it's just kind of uh, a morale booster right now. But I'm hoping that sooner rather than later, we do see some of these grants given out and, and put into active projects' hands. I, uh, I, I just pulled it up uh, on the screen and then it disappeared. Um, but there was a lot of controversy. We're going to clear it up immediately. There is a lot of controversy. There's these $50,000 grants. So it, it was a breath, breath of fresh air because last year, or for the last year, almost two years now since ESVC grants or EOSVC was announced, like what was one of the, some of the biggest complaints that, that you heard about EOSVC just from conversations with projects that spoke with them and things like that and didn't get funding? Yeah, honestly, the biggest complaint I've heard is that EOSVC apparently won't just be the lead investor in a round. Instead, they will only go in on a round where they already have another commitment from another venture fund that's already invested in the project. So I think their you know standard, their quality standard is very, very high, which is probably a good thing for you know protecting their capital and being able to grow it and make a sustainable VC arm over the, the coming uh, decades, really. Um, but I, I think a lot of projects get kind of put off when they're like, oh, we have to already have an investment mm -hmm. to, you know, reach out to USDC for more investment. So they, they brought on some great companies. Like the, yeah. it, it was doing well with what they're, they're basically, it seemed like mostly investing into like already profitable businesses that already had revenue and customers. And then they were investing in some of those. And then also some already like pray like series B type companies. So like, but they're missing the seed funding rounds is what they're missing. They're, they're missing yeah. companies that hadn't quite made it yet. They might have a great idea, a great team, really deeply deep knowledge into blockchain and especially EOSIO. And those were the projects that were being neglected. A lot of the grassroots EOSIO projects uh, were not getting investment. And it, it was like a, a, everyone was kind of sour grapes about it because there, there wasn't a, a, an immediate solution. And then the EOSVC grants came out this past week. Amazing news, $50,000. It, it seems like it's almost like a no strings attached thing uh, as far as investment, like you're not giving up equity, but, oh, you're, you're full screen. I've been talking this whole time, or it's probably been jumping active speaker. Yeah, it's been um, jumping back and forth. Okay. 
Um, but with, with the EOSVC grants, there are some terms and conditions. And one, one of the uh, ones that stood out to a lot of people immediately uh, was the conditions against block producers. Uh, you you want to read uh, the limitation here? Yeah, so this is under the warranty section, basically the big old, big old block of legalese that says the applicant does not and shall not for at least six months from the date of their grant application act as, operate, act in conjunction with, own any interest in, have any control over, or finance a block producer on any public or permissionless blockchain based on EOSIO. So this is interesting that they're obviously not just limiting this to EOS. It, it seems like it's all public blockchain. So whether you're a VP on EOS or Telos or Warbly or Wax or something else, if it's a public permissionless blockchain, uh, they basically don't want to give you a grant. I, I assume for legal reasons, they need that legal separation. So it's not seen as funding block producers. So when this first came out, I mean, there were some very vocal people fighting against it. I I, I was pretty active saying like, this is a, a pretty uh, bold line here because Technically, like the jungle testnet's a public blockchain, if you think about it. So you can't even run public infrastructure. So this is before like going any further, we'll go into the solution. Uh, thanks, Saeed. Thanks, Zane uh, from EOS Radio for uh, bringing this up. And thank you to Brendan Bloomer uh, for being so quick to respond. So you want to uh, like let all the listeners that aren't watching this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So Saeed had a really good point. He talks about that the vast majority of technical talent in the EOSIO community outside of B1 resides in hundreds of block producer companies around the world. And uh, basically asking Brent, Brendan if they're they're going to fund those at all, because people obviously pointed out this block of legalese. And Brendan responded by saying, anyone is free to create a parallel company and initiative to be considered, but we're not putting grant money towards network operation. BP rewards are already taken care of through network inflation. Zane had a very similar um Question a bit more direct that said, if we basically create a new legal entity for EOSBC grant purpose, can we, can, you know, an existing BP get funded? And Brendan said, yes, we're not excluding people from participation. We're making sure proceeds go towards worthwhile initiatives as opposed to network operation subsidies. So it'll be really interesting to see which one comes out on top and which one turns out to be true because they seem like contradicting statements. You know, in the, the legal paragraph, it seems like the applicant could be considered that legal entity. But if they're considering the applicant, the individuals within that legal entity, then of course, BPs can't apply. But if the applicant is truly that separate legal entity, and that's how they're looking at it, then it seems like it should be fine. But obviously, we won't really know until they fund a company um, or a project that's associated with a BP in some way, which I, I do hope they do, because Said is definitely right. I mean, all almost all of the, the best talent is, is working on a block producer or some kind of public infrastructure company. Mm -hmm. uh, it, they'd be block one uh, if they would stick to the letter of that term and the terms and conditions statement. It's like ninety percent of the talent in this ecosystem would be like unavailable. Um, so this advice, uh, if you're watching and you haven't caught the news, I, I hope it already is out there. But if you are a block producer, you're not excluded from this. But you do got to get your uh, acting gear to spin up a separate LLC or, or some other entity. Uh, that's going to do whatever it is you're probably applying for the grant for. Uh, yeah. So the, that 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 was awesome news, though. I'm I, I was just really happy that Bloomer just kind of jumped out and and nipped it at the bud at, at the start yeah. of it. Well, I think there is some precedent for them to fund something that at least has a, a one degree of connection to a block producer. We obviously have Everipedia that is a part of the Liberty Block block producer. Um, they have true. a quote on their website that says, Liberty Block is the fusion of Everipedia, the dollar vigilante, and Ikigai asset management. So obviously, EOSVC invested in a company, which also in some part runs a block producer. Um, and, and since, you know, I assume Everipedia and uh, 
Liberty Block are probably separate legal entities. Maybe that's how they make it work. And similarly, like Brendan's saying, maybe that's how they'll make it work with the, the VC grant. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to it. Um, so you mentioned Everipedia. That can kind of flow into our next topic. Let me pull up the screen. We had a, a very pro-EOS uh, news article come out this week, naming all the top projects. I just want to shout them out because they're all uh, great projects in this ecosystem. One yeah. second with... Yeah, this was over on coingape.com, uh, which is a website I hadn't heard of uh, until seeing this article, but um, it seems pretty cool and, and highlights a lot of these projects if you want to list the room, Zach. Okay, so it might not be the most high traffic website, but I'm still happy whenever I see the Liquid Apps name at the top of a list of uh, a top project in the EOS, or actually in the whole blockchain ecosystem. So call it out Liquid Apps, call it out Everipedia, Equilibrium uh, with the DeFi, Karma, who just moved to Wax, uh, doing good there, Bancor, PO, Sense Chat. So basically, all the big projects on EOS. I, I always like uh, reading whenever just random stuff comes out and seeing projects that I'm involved with or interested in. Cause obviously I'm interested in DeFi, I follow equilibrium kind of closely. Uh, Karma obviously has been a big topic of ours on the show with their recent migration and, and issues with, with congestion on the main net. So I, I always love a pro EOS article, puts a positive spin on things. Um, next topic, I guess was supposed to plug EOS radio. I already plugged EOS radio. So uh, yeah. you better yeah, I think we should guys jump back that. to, to Brendan's tweets for just a bit. It was pretty interesting seeing him interact with all these different crypto projects. He was tweeting CZ at Binance. He was tweeting Justin Sun, basically saying like, congratulations or, um, you know, congrats on your success or this launch or whatever. I, I got him up on the screen. Yeah. He, it was cool though to see uh, CZ acknowledge voice.com. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, he was messaging all kinds of projects. I saw him, um, uh, Eric Voorhees, he, he was getting in, in to their uh, replies. Yeah, what what'd you think of that? He was like trying to like not be a maximalist and just like kind of spread his EOSIO, I don't know, wings. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I hope it I hope it's not just a one-off thing. I hope he continues to do that and genuinely engage with these other projects because I, I think it is kind of walking the walk. He's been talking the talk a lot about, you know, hey, we're all in this together. We all have the same goals, but this is really him walking the walk and going out and congratulating other projects, which I'm sure in turn also brings more focus on Block One and Voice.com with CZ tweeting and stuff like that. But I did think it was kind of interesting that he, he seemed to be congratulating all these other projects. But then when someone would mention an EOSIO project like Liquid Apps or Telos, um, he would kind of seem, uh, it, it seemed like he was just playing dumb a little bit, like he didn't want to admit that he knew about it in, in detail. And there's a really interesting tweet thread. Let me, uh, let me find that I know when you're going to bring up. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Hold on, I'm just gonna, um, I'll just pull it up. I'll, I'll figure yeah, it out. While you're pulling it up, I'll go ahead and start reading it. Um, so Wes Carmichael, uh, tweeted and said, Brendan, I'm very curious to hear what you think of Liquid App's second layer um, uh, network and DAP token in general. And Brendan, just kind of like, dumb, don't know enough, but we'll explore. What's the general premise? And uh, people tweeting, you know, to be honest, if Brendan is truthful that he doesn't know the premise of Liquid Apps, that is extremely disappointing and highlights a major disconnect with the community. Brendan coming back saying, Dan and the EOSIO team are familiar, but I straddle a lot more than you might realize. I get 10 to 15 emails or messages per day on different projects. And this is the tweet that I love. This thing's like buried. I'm having a hard time even finding it. I know it was, oh, here it is. Sorry. You got it? Okay, I got it up on the screen. This thing is very deep. So like a lot of people probably didn't see it. And I thought this is hilarious. Yeah, the tweet from Aol is perfect. He says, perhaps you may recall, we talked about Liquid Apps about a year ago when we had dinner at Brock's place. It was shortly after Liquid Apps was introduced and VRAM was the only available service. You got quite excited and immediately messaged Dan about it. Whoops. And Brendan goes, yes, I remember that. As I mentioned, the team 
speeds up. I don't know. Maybe this is a legal thing where he's sort of trying to seem like he doesn't, he's not involved in all these projects, but clearly he says the team is up to speed. Dan and the USIO team know about it. So it seems like good news. I thought it was, I mean, ultra. So you, you, you weren't on here last week. I've been telling you about ultra ever since I got back from Korea and met the team out there. Like, have you been paying a lot more attention recently? Uh, a little bit, yeah, especially with uh, a lot of the BPs going over with, I think it was Ubisoft announced that they're going to be a BP on Ultra, so very a- cool stuff. AMD, man, that's a, that was even bigger wow. than Ubisoft. Ubisoft's like a giant game company, but like AMD, like a hardware manufacturer, like yeah, that's it's, huge. It's, it, it's getting excited. And and like for Brendan to like kind of seem like he's out of the loop on that stuff just seemed crazy to me because I bet uh, Block 1 probably knew in advance about this stuff. I don't know. Uh, but if they didn't, I'm sure that, <laughs> that whenever their Twitter lit up and the, they saw the big news coming out of AMD, I thought that was the coolest part was that usually you hear about these blockchain partnerships and it's just the one-sided thing. Like the blockchain company makes it a big deal and the, the big behemoth company just ignores it. And it was cool yeah, to absolutely. see uh, AMD come out. But uh, we, we, we talked about this last week, but all of this uh, activity on Twitter from Bloomer, it, it all started from this sec uh picture yeah uh, we, we talked about it a little bit on sunday but uh, i'm gonna read it on screen so if, if you're listening on itunes uh basically last week december 13th uh brendan posted a picture on twitter of him and dan larimer uh dan larimer in a suit and tie in front of the sec and said focused on making data integrity a priority hashtag blockchain and then EOS42 came out and said, in many cases, blockchain adoption will happen because of people getting on the ground and working directly with regulators, educating, collaborating, and executing on ideas that will reshape the future of the planet. And then Brendan, this is while he was like on his basically 48-hour spurt of like 100 tweets, he said, spot on, no matter what personal view is on their efficacy, it needs to be respected to further the cause on terms that all parties could accept. From my experience, most regulators have been kind, open-minded, and woke, wake up every day to fight for the country and the people they love. So I love the approach of them working with regulators instead of against regulators. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's obviously been a very successful strategy for them thus far, getting that uh, $24 million fine to sort of get out of all the SEC trouble that they were in. So it's good to see them continuing that. And um, I think it's interesting. Maybe they were, I know in their sort of... Uh, I guess, letters back and forth with the SEC. They were talking a lot about, uh, you know, talking with the SEC about voice and the voice token. With that beta announcement, maybe this is something about that where they're actually talking about voice, but it could just be general uh, data integrity, you know, security, Where where's the government storing data? They want to put it on USIO blockchain, but either way, it's pretty exciting. The timing of it was exciting. So I have these other two tweets up on the screen that I, I didn't read. And it's an article, basically Brock Pierce, shared uh, a Yahoo Finance article about SEC chairman uh, James Clayton. And in the article, I think I actually, yeah, I have it. Let me pull it up on the other screen. So basically, uh, Brock shared it. And then Brendan said they're starting to get it a lot of supporters inside. So he said that after they were already at the SEC, Brendan said there's a lot of supporters inside at the SEC. Wow. And then whenever Brendan retweeted this, this article, he said, Clayton, who's the guy quoted in the article, is taking a naturally measured approach. But if Hester Peirce becomes the next chair, I think America will catapult upwards in fintech innovation. Her public speeches are hopeful and worth listening to. So basically what he's saying is uh, the quotes in this Yahoo Finance article were good, but they're very measured. 
but Hester Peirce is basically one of the biggest blockchain and cryptocurrency bulls there is. And he's basically saying like, this is good, but if Hester takes the chair, it's going to be great. And you guys could probably all remember hey, Hester. If you don't know Crypto Mom already, uh, we, uh, Rob and I got to meet her in person in Blacksburg last month uh, at the Blacksburg Summit. Here's a picture of her with Dan and Brendan. So I'm, I'm sure they had a chance to, to talk uh, while they're at that event if they hadn't already talked outside of that event. But um, that, that was, um, I guess, the start of uh, the week of the Bloomer tweets and all of that fun stuff. Um, Absolutely. And it, what was really interesting is that it seems like, I don't know that this is necessarily a different approach, but it seems like a much wider approach in terms of the, the application of what EOSIO should be used for. Um, and it seems like they're competing with databases and not blockchains even. So this was interesting. Brendan had a tweet that said, leaving Blacksburg this week, has me more confident than ever that B1 is going to upgrade the digital infrastructure of society. EOSIO isn't competing with alternative blockchains anymore. It's eyeing every database in the world, which is pretty wild. It's a pretty big statement uh, coming from Brendan, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, will people, organizations, businesses, governments, will they adopt EOSIO tech in some way to more securely store their data? And you can imagine this being done with hashes where you have your own sort of private database and you publicly hash, you know, the, the block headers onto a public blockchain like EOS or even Bitcoin, or maybe you could, could pick whichever one you wanted. So it's exciting well, to think about. Going back to the Blocksburg summit that we were at, like in Dan's speech, he, he was basically saying like that they're going to compete with databases. It's like nothing new. I'll pull up some older tweets. So these tweets up on the screen, this first one's from April 6, 2019. Dan says, the number of times I'm told by engineers that our SQL database is the bottleneck makes it all the all the more real how fast EOSIO is, and it will only get faster. And wow. then a more recent quote from November 5th, 2019. I challenged, this is Dan Larimer, I challenged the notion that a blockchain is an inefficient database. In my opinion, EOSIO could be a highly efficient and performance database compared to Postgres or MySQL. EOS 3 will only prove this more. Bold, That's exciting. Bold statements. Absolutely. Um, going back to, uh, I'll let you read these quotes because I don't have a drink and my mouth's getting dry here. But integrity by design. I keep seeing this quote. Uh, uh, the next couple of slides, you'll see this quote coming from Dan Larimer and from Brendan Bloomer on Twitter. And these are both, uh, shout out to Sebastian from WordProof uh, for transcribing these two speeches from Blocksburg. But the one on the left is... Uh, I think the one on the left is Brendan Bloomer, and then the one on the right is from Dan Larimer. And I'll let Rob kind of read those ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first question, just to summarize it, is talking about who should be scared uh, you know, about blockchains, who should be worried that they're going to get outcompeted. And Brendan went on to say, I don't want to give an answer that's too oversimplified, but blockchain is just an alternative database. In terms of who should be scared, I think everyone that uses databases should be constantly looking at what is the function our database serves? What are the inherent traits or value propositions of blockchain? And how can we benefit from those? So really interesting more about that database talk. Um, and then on the other side, somebody- This one uh, was big, yeah. Yeah, this was a quote from Dan where he says, my personal goal for EOSIO is to make it the fastest, most general purpose application database out there. So you'd rather use EOSIO than MySQL because it's faster. The reality is EOSIO is faster than Postgres uh, SQL, it's faster than MySQL. When you're doing that type of stuff we're doing. Right now we're processing transactions on the blockchain and then trying to propagate them into traditional databases and the rest of the infrastructure can't keep up with the blockchain, right? 
We just need to make the blockchain data, the stuff that we're storing in our smart contracts, more accessible via APIs. And he continues, he says, that's what we're working on at block one. Make it so you don't have to compromise. You just go with blockchain because it provides you all the features and capabilities you expect from a current database with all the benefits of blockchain. So pretty exciting stuff. I think that last quote that's in bold, like that's the integrity by design. Uh, I, I, I pull up uh, another article or I got another thing up on the screen. This is also from uh, the Blocksburg speeches. And it's just showing like the name of Dan's speech was choosing blockchain is about integrity by design. So it's basically secure, trustworthy, transparent. Uh, in, in some cases, it could be censorship resistant if it is decentralized, but a blockchain isn't always decentralized. The blockchain still has all of those core features, whether it's centralized or decentralized. And it comes down to its in, in, in integral, like foundational design. It's just, it, it's secure by design, it's transparent by design, and it has integrity by design. And I think we're going to keep seeing this quote because then I have another one uh, from Brendan about news organizations. They keep talking about like journalism and and making it more transparent. And, and he brought it up here. Uh, I think the the Mark Fiddleman quote. I don't have. They uh, basically that was a reply. The top tweet got cut off, but it was about how it takes ten times more effort. Oh, it didn't get cut off. I'm 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 re- off off my game today, Rob. I, I haven't. Okay. To- I, I I it wasn't on the top. I I changed the image out right before we went went live. I forgot. Um, but this Mark Fiddleman guy, he said it takes ten times more effort dispel crypto bullshit than to create it so basically it's harder to fight fud than it is to create it so it's kind of like an uphill battle and that that's that's with anything i mean it's crypto and non-crypto it's just it's very hard to fight disinformation so a big part of what voice is trying to do is help separate signal from noise because everyone's identified you only have one reputation you screw over your reputation you can only screw people over like once and then it's basically it, it, it everyone knows you're not trustworthy anymore yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the, the biggest tweet from Brendan that was really interesting was he said, current news organizations lack integrity by design. We need to create a platform that incentivizes behavior conducive to the output of truth and is held accountable to the court of public, public opinion, as opposed to one-sided conveyance of opaquely assembled and attributed facts. So interesting if he's maybe referring to voice there, he probably is in some way. Um, he obviously mentioned it in that, that other tweet where he said, we need collaborative open source news, hashtag voice and tag someone. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if maybe that'll just be voice. Maybe it'll be a, a voice component with an actual news network or something else entirely. Well, I, I have some, hold on, let me pull them up. Uh, one sec. This one might be a little out there and crazy, but I'll, I'll pe- people used to like whenever I'd speculate, I got, I'm, I'm not going to speculate too hard on this, but, um, so if you look at this tweet, uh, from Brendan, where it says, unfortunately, it's not just crypto. We need collaborative open source news voice. And then he tags someone, Salaf- Salafel. So I, I was like, who's this guy? And that's kind of like whenever I, I looked up who he was, so I'll pull up his Twitter. He is the chief uh, digital information officer uh, at Forbes. So that's Zalatima. That, that's that's who Brendan decided to tag. Like of all people, you could tag. Like he he. It wasn't like he was in the thread already, and he just pulled him up. He he literally tagged this guy. Uh, and the last thing that he tagged was, or the last thing this guy retweeted was something really cool about Forbes, is that they have this pay portal now. 
like a lot of uh, news sites these days, they have these pay portals where you could pay like a, a, a fiat, like a credit card payment to read articles essentially. Uh, and Forbes just uh, opened up to allow Ethereum payments for that paywall, which I think is really cool. Cool. So some of my speculation, I guess, is that maybe uh, in the future we'll be able to use EOS or, or voice tokens even to, to get through these paywalls because Forbes already has the, the technology now that they're, they're, they're using crypto. Uh, they've been involved. Do you remember civil? I think it was called uh, the like journalist. Uh, it's, it was like a consensus funded project. They did a token yeah. sale. It, it, it was basically to add transparency to news media and Forbes is involved in that stuff too. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess my low hanging fruit, like my low speculation is that Maybe Brendan knows this guy because they're working to integrate some sort of uh, feature for this paywall on Forbes. But the crazier thing is that on June 20th, 2019, I actually found, like I went back and read this and it was made public that Forbes was actually on sale. And I, I have the most important parts highlighted if you want to kind of read them for me. Wow, yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, let's see if I can read it here. It's pretty small. Um, small for you, I'll make it bigger. Okay. So basically, uh, yeah, go ahead. They, they, they published that it was on sale. And then Forbes Media denied that they were for sale. And it, a spokesperson from Forbes Media said, and this is back in June 19th or so, that they're always open to bring on additional investors who add value. And uh, in 2014, they were acquired by a Hong Kong based consortium called Integrated Whale Media Investments. Now, I don't know anything about this group. I didn't really spend that much time on this digging into who this group is. But outside of crypto, have you ever heard of anyone using the term whale? Like whenever like stockbrokers are talking to each other, do they call each other whales? No, I've only ever heard of within crypto. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's a bunch of rich dudes in Hong Kong that are involved in this. <laughs> That's what it seems like, a bunch of crypto traders. And, and Forbes like is pretty pro-crypto with like their news and stuff that they post. But yeah. So they were so they're valued at 475 million back whenever that deal, deal was made. I think this group wow. bought 95% of them. And then uh, they're looking for another buyer in Asia and and that the valuation uh, the other key part is that the valuation for Forbes might be lower than it was before so it might be basically on sale which would bring it to a lower price. So if if it and that's based on another media outlet that was sold uh, fortune was sold. Yeah, do you so, think it's that that block one or something? I don't know. That's kind of what I'm like. That's like my crazy speculation. I I, I don't, they have the money. Like EOS VC was a billion dollars, right? And how much of that did they actually invest so far? I think, I mean, they've allocated about three quarters of a billion to VC funds, but in terms of actual investments, uh, I want to say it's just over a hundred million, maybe somewhere around there. So like just with EOS VC, even if you, put these grants into that bucket and what they're going to spend on these $50,000 grants. Like they have the money and they want to put their capital to use. Right. So it's like, that's why they were investing in these revenue driven businesses is because you want to put your capital to work. You want to make money from your capital. And I, I didn't see anything in that article that said Forbes is like revenue negative or anything. So they're making revenue. Yeah. So basically from an investment standpoint, it makes sense from a user acquisition point. It makes sense. And they, it, it's attention, and that's what voice is. It's like everyone's voice should be heard. I mean, I, the, the reason I'm hesitant to speculate too far is because 
I, I, I Forbes is already deeply involved with civil, which is an Ethereum project and things like that. But um, part, part of what I put in the headline today, and it's in our talking points, is, is what to look forward to uh, for 2020 uh, with, with Block One, with EOS, with EOSIO. And I, I think a big thing is going to be like their one, one is the voice launch. So they're going to, I don't know if we're going to see the mass marketing to, that crypto has never seen before early or not. I mean, if they'd make a big splash with like Forbes, maybe it's like a partnership or something. Uh, it, it could be big. Uh, but beyond that, I think they're going to get into more enterprise stuff. Uh, I, yeah. you, you know me, I'm always like on their like job board so I could talk about like what's coming next because I yeah. see that and stuff. While you read this, I'm going to run to the restroom really quickly. Um, oh, my goodness. You, know, you, always do, you always do this to me. You put me in these awkward positions. Uh, okay, so I'm by myself now, and I will pull up some very interesting uh, things for you guys. Uh, so let me pull it up here. All right, so the next tweet here. Um, Brendan was talking about this back to the Brendan tweet storms. It says the EOS network needs a dedicated portal to clearly explain the benefits of its architecture and performance. We're in discussion with others on how we can contribute and enable uh, progress on this. That's Brendan talking about how we need a better onboarding portal. Like whenever you first get into EOSIO, we need a better portal. And definitely uh, if you wanted to do enterprise also, he said, this is the core focus of our EOSIO organization for 2020. Um, I believe Dan and I will change the, the will change the discussion of the industry again, like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're back finally. Yep. I was struggling. Okay. <laughs> so what I wanted to bring up here is um, that everyone in the community wants to see better best practices, so better documentation, better onboarding materials, and that's what's going to be needed to get into enterprise. I'll get into a couple job uh, descriptions I found that basically spell it out. Like It's not like I'm speculating here that they're trying to get an enterprise based on the jobs that they're hiring for. But on the screen here, uh, as a dev that starts, uh, that built, that's built ES locally, you need a better hello world getting started document. Brennan said, in the past, we've had to choose between tools or upgrades, but we've been staffing so we could be robust on both simultaneously. Ted Cahall is driving so much progress at Block One. We've talked about this guy before. Do you do you remember who this guy is, Rob? This Ted Cahall? No, guy? I don't. All right. I'll, I'll pull him back up then. Uh, so he was the CTO of, I think, America Online. Hold on. I'll pull it up. Oh, is it the AOL guy? Yeah, so this this is the guy that Brendan tagged. So basically what Brendan was saying is before they they could either work on tools or upgrades, but they didn't have like the staff to do both at the same time. But now we have he, he tagged this guy, Ted Cahall. Now he's the executive vice president of EOS IO business unit at Block One. Now uh prior to that, he was at the subtractor contractor.com, a company called Digital River which did product technology services. But prior to that, he was the corporate vice president at Microsoft. Uh, he's um, on the board of directors at the Virginia Center for Innovation Technology. He was the AOL chief technology, chief technology officer for three and a half years. So he's got some enterprise, like executive, like top Fortune 500 company experience. Yeah. So they, they have this guy. And this is the guy that uh, Brendan like pulled up in the tweet. But then we also have this other guy here, Rob Hines. This is, uh, I don't know how he's been with Block One because his start date here only says 2019. 
but he's the chief revenue officer at Block One. And I, I think this is probably the guy that, that's going to be leading uh, this push in enterprise just based on his experience. So his job prior to coming to Block One was he was the area vice president for Service Cloud East at Oracle. Now, if you know what Oracle does, Oracle sells like uh, database services to enterprises. Like that's all that they do. They integrate like uh, this technology into existing businesses to make it oh, better. Wow. And if you look at who gave him a job recommendation, uh, when was this? January 4th, 2017, we actually have Ted Cahall who actually gave him the positive review on LinkedIn. Who's the wow. e So it's like this guy from AOL and from Microsoft and, and the other companies that didn't have as much time to research, he's bringing his best guys with him, people he's met along the way. He brought one of the top sales guys from Oracle to be the, the chief revenue officer of Block One. They're, they're building up a, a bit of an army here. Uh, and it, it's pretty apparent whenever you look at some of the jobs that they're hiring for. I'll pull up uh, the careers page if you want to give me your thoughts on this for a second while I find them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really does fall in line with what we were talking about earlier with their approach to making EOSIO a replacement for databases like MySQL. So it, it's pretty exciting. And to have the guy from Oracle, like you said, their whole business is about selling services to other businesses. It's a, a B2B organization. Um, it really seems like a good fit and, and something that... Uh, could help them actually make that push and have a lot of enterprises adopted this. We must be break. Oh, here it goes. I thought we were breaking Block One's website. Uh, okay, so th this job was just posted very recently, and it says some interesting facts that I've highlighted here. So we have this. Why are my highlights? Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to come up with my own highlights. Uh, why isn't it working? Oh, well, so it's a senior product manager for financial services. And part of the job is to attend trade shows and other events. Oh, here, here are the highlights. So this position is an excellent opportunity for someone interested in fintech and what blockchain can do for financial services industry as a whole. So it, it sounds like, and, and there's other jobs that kind of allude to this, but they're looking for people with financial services experience with like trading products or exchanges. So they're hiring people with like financial background to, to kind of lead the sales. They're going to attend trade shows. And I don't think they're talking about like crypto trade shows here. I think they're talking about like financial services trade shows, like the type of trade shows you'd go to if you're an enterprise business and, and the, like the type of places where like an Oracle like company would, would meet these businesses, deliver product enablement materials, such as demos and videos for developer relations and field teams. Um, so it sounds like they're, they're going to be launching products for either other companies or for within their own units themselves. Uh, going back, uh, man, I really, you, you got up to go to the bathroom. I can't do that. But um, they, I brought up this last week, Rob. Remember, th this position was posted almost a year and a half ago. We talked about it. The director of tra technical training. Yeah. Which is, uh, you're, you got a different mic on there now. Yeah, my headphones died, so I'm on my just normal computer. <laughs> All right. But yeah, this is this is the position that they're trying to get into universities. They're trying to develop curriculum, like certifications. Every big company has like their, their training certifications, like a Microsoft certified or um, C-sharp certified or um, any of this certified and be a liaison between academic institutions and EOSIO. Like they're, they're breaking into enterprise. They're breaking into universities. And that's just what you could tell from, from who they're hiring and just like 
the bits and pieces uh, that are coming out of Bloomer, especially this last week. Uh, there's a couple other jobs, man, but I'm not going to bore everyone with them. There, there's a job that is literally called the Enterprise Risk Management Lead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it's really obvious what's happening here, and I, I can't wait to see more from them on it. Uh, I had a couple other topics. I put them in the title. I, I, I kind of got carried away with some speculation. It brought back me in the old times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, mean, the, I think the biggest update that we saw from B1 was that uh, previous EOSIO resource allocation proposal. Um, this was a proposal to basically change the way that CPU works uh, it, on EOSIO fundamentally. It'll be up to the block producers on EOS specifically to implement that. Um, but it's nice. We saw that sort of blog post from Dan, and now we actually have the code in the official EOSIO repo to back it up. So it does seem like they're sort of, you know, not only coming out and saying, hey, here's a proposal, but they're actually putting it into code and merging it into the main EOSIO repo. That was quick, man. Yeah. Uh, usually whenever you hear a proposal or see a blog article, like you don't see code for months sometimes. Like look at voice. We still haven't seen code as announced in June. <laughs> Uh, but like this came out literally within two weeks of, of Dan's article because Dan just like uh, mid-November, late November, he wrote an article called the EOSIO Resource Allocation Reimagined. And then they put out the, the code for this proposal. And uh, they actually even delivered the GitHub code. I think we talked about this last week. I can't remember. But they actually have a GitHub repo that's still constantly being updated. I, I think it's already like if it's not being implemented on jungle right now, it's being discussed to put on jungle right now so that they can start testing. Yeah. Because one of the unique things about this new resource management is it's going to work in parallel with Rex. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, we heard in that original blog post that they will phase Rex out over the first year. So I'm not clear if that's still the plan here where after that first year of implementation, boom, Rex goes away. Um, or if it will uh, actually remain, it'll be interesting. What What are your thoughts on the new resource model? I feel like there's still some confusion on it. People like the people that don't like it. I think so. Let me just hear your my opinion personal, on it, and then I'll tell you mine. Yeah, my personal opinion is that obviously we have no idea what's going to happen to the tokenomics until it's actually out there with all the game theory involved and whether or not businesses will buy EOS to do this and or if they'll just purely lease it. But I think it has the potential to. Um, work against the EOS token, unfortunately, if it is implemented, where you know the main real reason why you own EOS right now is to, to hold CPU unless you're just buying it for speculation. Um, so sort of removing that component, but also not removing it at the same time, um, I think adds this additional element that, that could either be really good for the game theory and add more demand for the EOS token, or it could be bad and actually decrease the demand and just have a bunch of people leasing it. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch for sure. It's, it's sort of the first major tokenomic change that we've seen, assuming it does get implemented on the EOS mainnet, will be that first major token change um, in terms of the utility of the token since the mainnet went live. So I, I think it does the exact same thing as Rex does now though, if, or like the resources now, it, you'll get credited. If you're staking to Rex, you're earning the, the Rex or the resource fees and you're earning EOS. And then if you want to transact, instead of it being like, feeless transactions like it currently is, you just spend a little bit of EOS. But if you earned more from this resource model than you're spending, you're actually coming out with net positive EOS. Whereas if you own more resources now than you use, you come out net even. So I, I see it as a positive because for I, I, 
I only use Rex now because I'm terrified of, of congestion mode, but I have enough EOS staked in my account that I could transact just fine. Uh, and, but for, for many months, I don't use it. And we saw like when IDOS came out, it was like, okay, if you have these resources you're not using, now you could monetize them. Right. And that's exactly what this is doing, except it doesn't use the IDOS token. It's basically letting you earn EOS off of your unused resources. Whereas with the IDOS token, it's earn IDOS with your unused EOS token. Like which one would you rather like people FOMO in to earn? I'd rather them FOMO in to earn more EOS. And, Absolutely. And it also adds a lot of buy pressure to the EOS token. If you want to keep using resources, you got to keep buying EOS to do that. And that adds liquidity to the markets. Um, and then the biggest part of it is that it allows 100% of the network resources to be, be cost, like priced in to what you're paying for the resources. Today, Rex only has what, like 30% of the total network's resources available. And then the rest of it's outside of Rex and you can't actually rent it. So we have 100% of the network fighting, not 100%, but the whole uh, marketplace for resources looking to buy into Rex is trying to all buy a, into a 30% piece of the EOS pie. Whereas with this new model, they're buying into 100% of the pie. And the people that aren't using the resources in the first place are actually, they're, they're earning income or EOS off of their unused resources instead of being tempted to do something silly like mine IDOS tokens or whatever the next token is that uses that same model. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I see positives. Yeah, I think there are, are some potential positives for sure. And I think what will be really interesting to see is, um, you know, beyond the EOS mainnet, will other networks actually implement this change as well? Will Telos implement this? Or are they fine with the way things are going? Will Wax implement it? Will others? So it'll be interesting to see with this being merged into sort of the main EOSI repo, how many chains will implement it and which ones will choose not to and for what reason. So what do you, what do you, what's that? There's chains right now that don't even have the original Rex. So what, what do you think will happen with the other chains? Do you think they're going to stick with Rex if, if they already have it? Or do you think they're going to uh, transition over to this as well? Like I don't know. It's so hard to tell. I think a lot of it depends on the current state of that chain. Like the EOS mainnet, I think, has the most to gain from this because of the current um, situation. Obviously, Rex has gotten a little bit better and CPU has gotten a little bit better since the mining's not so crazy now. But I think they probably have the most to gain versus you know a chain like Telos where th things seem to be going relatively well. Um, from like a CPU and resource perspective, at least at the moment, uh, maybe they'll be less incentivized to implement it. So who knows? It'll be interesting. Well, it, it will be interesting. And I'll tell you the biggest reason to that everyone should kind of be getting behind this new resource model. And not, not, that, not that we shouldn't criticize a bad idea if you think it's a bad idea, but I'm going to pull up the page from uh, the voice FAQ. And we talked about this already. Where, where is it? Where is voice going to be hosted right here? This is the reason why we got to get behind this resource model, because if we want voice on the main net ever, we, we, we do, we follow the roadmap that block one is giving us it, it, unless we don't want voice, then, then we can do whatever we want. Like it's up, to, <laughs> it's up to the token holders. I mean, it's to, it's token holder rule, and like that's who chooses the top twenty-one. That's who makes these decisions. And let's let's just read the quote. Where will voice be hosted? While voice is in beta and in a highly iterative state, it'll be on a purpose-made EOSIO blockchain, probably run by Block One. I don't know how many BPs it'll be. They'll probably all be Block One. In time. We would like voice to leverage the EOS public blockchain and potentially others that can meet the performance and government governance demands of a voice. 
that is all of the reason in the world uh, to, to go with this. I see Sonata System saying, this new model that rents everything is risky. This will fail if it's net loss. Um, well, the good news is that it's like a, 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 a it, there is a transition phase between the two. We could always... Uh, I don't. I don't know the exact mechanism. I, I remember how Dan proposed that it was like over like a time duration of a year, but we could also do it based like uh, stake based. Like if more people are staking to Rex, then like it, it could lean more Rex than than on this new resource model. If people are buying directly from that resource model, I I, I don't know what what the best model is going to be, but I'm going to listen to what Block One's proposing, and I'm going to try to poke holes in it. I would love to poke holes in it, but I I've only seen positives. I just explained a lot of them to rob here uh, of why I see it as a positive. Yes, it's unproven, but Rex is proven and it, it, it's proven to be, uh, rather than trying to, to fix something that might potentially not be ideal from, from its fo a foundational standpoint, I, I like that, they're, that Dan and Block One are willing to take the risk of trying something completely new. Because it, it, if you know that the old model putting a Band-Aid on it, which, which they also propose, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, but they're going to... Uh, do the 12 hour buckets and over like a 30 day with Rex. And then they're going to lower the uh, the buffer to 10%. So it's like a yeah. short term fix, but it, it, it's, it's not, it, it's not, I don't know. It, it's yeah. not what they want. And it's not, they, they wouldn't have suggested two proposals. And I, I don't think Dan's ever going to say anything's broken, but I, I think uh, with what happened with Rex, it showed an attack vector that shouldn't exist. And I think that the new Rex model would pretty much, be the count counter action to all of these mining tokens if they're ever pop up again because it's allowing you to just basically you're mining eos by not using eos if you yeah. stake eos and you don't use it you're mining eos essentially rather than yeah. having to do these garbage transactions regardless of how it plays out i think it'll be fascinating to watch especially seeing you know how long it takes individual chains to actually implement it and upgrade it but uh, i think that's probably a good place to leave everybody uh for the rest of the weekend um, enjoy the winter solstice if you're celebrating that. It's the finally we're at the longest night of the year, so it's only going to get sunnier from here on out. But I, I have I have one spoiler I want to drop. Okay, it's only uh, we usually people don't make it this long. I think only about thirty five percent, thirty percent of the audience makes it to the end. Uh, March twenty eighth and 29th, there will be an EOS conference and hackathon in the Silicon Valley, San Francisco area. I am working on the initial planning of this event with Rahman Binlish from IWAD and Blockstart and Shaheen from EOS Blocksmith. Nice. We're working diligently for a venue. Uh, there are some awesome places on the table still. Uh, if this is something you would like to help support, sponsor, or help organize, please reach out to me on Telegram. Uh, and it should be really fun. But if you're a dev, and uh, there will be a conference there and a hackathon. So if you're a dev, uh, start getting that brain juices flowing for March 28th, 29th. And there's a Bitcoin conference that's like leading into that. So that was kind of the strategy behind the dates. And thank you to Ramon Binlish for getting the ball rolling on this. And I, I can't wait to share more details as soon as they're available. So now it's time. Awesome. That. That's exciting. That sounds great. I guess uh, without further ado then, I'm Rob Finch. And I'm Zach Gall. And this is everything, everything EOS. EOS. Go EOS! Go EOS in the chat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining. Uh, 